Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it is Friday, our final show of the week. Prior to Packers-Panthers, 3.25 p.m. Central Time kickoff on Sunday at Lambeau Field. And as usual, we will wrap up the week with our keys to victory. Packers are 7-2. and two. Looking to go to 8-2 and two and stay in first place in the NFC North. What's it going to take? Christian McCaffrey. You stop him, <laughs> the Packers win the bat. That's know, all, that's all it game. takes right there. Yeah. Right there. We'll see you next week on <laughs> Packers Unscripted. No, I mean, uh, it is. Wes and wants to get to the bye, everybody. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, it's funny because you and I could sit in here and we talked about Zeke Elliott. We've talked about a number of these running backs. Certainly Delvin Cook is really climbing the charts here at that position as well, and the Packers see him twice a year. Josh Jacobs for Oakland. Josh Jacobs for He was a big Oakland. part of that game. But I don't know. I can't think of anyone that jumps off the top of my head. Maybe LaShawn McCoy in his prime, but even then he didn't run the ball the way Christian McCaffrey runs the ball. This guy is the biggest threat I think the league has seen from an all-around component. I think you and I were discussing it. I mean, in some ways, it sort of reminds you of a Marshall Falk type run yeah. uh, that he's been on. And yep. you know, I think he's a guy that, when it's all said and done, he could very easily have a thousand-yard rushing season, thousand-yard receiving season. I mean, that's the type of talent he has, and that's where I think you see his game elevated towards. So, for the Green Bay Packers, what does this all mean? You know, Mike Pettin, I thought, was really good when he was standing at the podium on Thursday evening discussing this, and he said, you know, you can't go with just a linebacker on him. If you do, you better have help. You can't necessarily just go with a defensive back on him. You need to have a plan, and you need to stay true to that plan. There's a lot that the, we have to figure out that we won't know until way after the show is posted to Packers.com. <laughs> What's the status of Adrian Amos? What is this defense configuration going to look like? But no matter who it is, the 11 players who are on the field have to be accountable, gap sound, fundamental. They need to tackle because if you don't and Christian McCaffrey gets two feet in front of him, he's going to be threatening your end zone. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy that uh, Carolina's season, for the most part, has revolved around this one player. And I'll stick with the running back theme in the sense we were, we've been talking all week about the Packers getting back to – generating their offense through Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And so when you look at the running backs involved here, the Packers with their duo, the Panthers with McCaffrey, it's funny. I looked at the stats. I didn't realize this till I actually looked at him. McCaffrey has like 165 carries on the season, and yeah. the next most carries of anybody on that team is 11. 11. I mean, he, he is the workhorse, and that 165 carries doesn't even include his touches when he's catching passes out of the backfield. But back to my point, with regard to comparing the running backs here, I'll say this. It would be a tall order, I think, because Christian McCaffrey is going to get his, as they say. It would be a tall order for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams to surpass the production of what McCaffrey is going to do in this game. If the Packers duo can do that, I think the Packers win this game hands down. But as long as the Jones and Williams production is somewhat comparable to Christian McCaffrey, I think the Packers can win this game because I, I like the Packers at the other skill positions and with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback versus Kyle Allen, I think the Packers have a lot of advantages yeah. elsewhere. But if Christian McCaffrey has 
165 total yards and a couple of touchdowns, and Jones and Williams only combine for, you know, say 75 or 80 yards, and there's this big disparity in the production of the running backs, I think the Packers will have a hard time winning this game. Yeah, and you're a big fantasy football guy. I know, Mike, multiple-time <laughs> champion. Uh, when you Tongue-in-cheek. When, when you have your matchup in your single-play league, um, you look at it, okay, you might have Zeke Elliott, your your opponent might have Christian McCaffrey. If Zeke Elliott gets you 20 points, it can offset Christian McCaffrey having 25. Yeah, That's just the way that this thing works, and I think there are some parallels to how this NFL game is played. The thing I like about Aaron Jones, though, is he's been up for a challenge. You know, you go back to last month going into Dallas, the question all week long was, can you match uh, Zeke Elliott, you know, yard for yard, touchdown for touchdown? He'd already done that the previous year. Everybody just seemed to forget about it. <laughs> and then, by the way, he did it again uh, when he got to AT&T Stadium. Now, I'm not saying that I'm guaranteeing that he's going to outrush Christian McCaffrey, out, you know, yardage Christian McCaffrey. But if you're within that realm, if you're within that that atmosphere of, of what he's doing, that's going to mean good things for the Packers' offense. And I go back to last week, and you and I were shooting final thoughts a few moments ago, and we were discussing this. I didn't even realize that besides that first catch that Aaron Jones had against the Chargers, he didn't get another one in that game, that one that ended up going for negative one yards off of the motion. Yeah. You need to find ways to get on the ball. Matt Lafleur's talked about it. Aaron Rodgers has talked about it. If you go into a game and Aaron Jones only has nine touches, it's not going to turn out very well for your offense. It's not going to mean very good balance, uh, especially when you don't have Jamal Williams going in that you know equation either. So, both of those running backs. I mean, yeah, Christian McCaffrey's the bell cow. He's the workhorse. He does everything to make that offense move for Carolina. Packers have two running backs though, and then you factor in Devontae Adams. All the same discussion you and I had last week going into the Chargers games, it's still pertinent today. Yeah. You need to get those weapons going. Well, when you look at the statistics, a week ago, Aaron Jones was leading the NFL in touchdowns with 11. The Packers go to Los Angeles. Aaron Jones does not get a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey scores three touchdowns against the Tennessee Titans. Now he leads the NFL in touchdowns with 13. So there's been a little bit of a back and forth going on here. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. But I think if we were to point to one other thing aside from the running backs that may be the key to this game, at least in my mind, it's the pass protection for both teams. Yeah. Because we've seen with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, there was the stretch there of six games from week two to week seven. Aaron Rodgers was sacked only seven times over the course of six games, and he was throwing the ball plenty. But there have been some leaks now the last couple of weeks, and the protection hasn't quite been there. Some of the sacks, I believe Rodgers has been sacked eight times in the last two games, and he's the first to admit some of those are on him. He held the ball too long. A couple of those he was frustrated that he couldn't get away from the pressure. But he's been feeling more pressure the last couple of weeks, and the Packers need to get back to where they were a few weeks ago in that realm. And as you've talked about with Kyle Allen, this is a young 23-year-old quarterback. He went his first four starts this season without throwing an interception. Now he's thrown four interceptions in his last two games. Right. Some of that is due to pressure, you know, getting to enforcing a young quarterback to make mistakes, and that's what Mike Pettin and this Packers defense needs to do, provided they're at least containing McCaffrey and not letting him completely control the ball game. Yeah, because if you do... That's where I think Kyle Allen can get into rhythm. That's where this passing game gets going. 
because then suddenly you're selling out to stop Christian McCaffrey. And as I mentioned earlier when we were previewing the Panthers, they still have weapons who can hurt you. And guys, you know, when you look at Greg Olson, that can move the chains on you. So that's why it has to be such a huge emphasis for, for Green Bay going into this one. But at the same time, I mean, I look at this matchup as Kyle Allen has done some great things this year, uh, especially early on. Looked phenomenal considering what I think a lot of people's expectations were after Cam Newton went down and they're sitting at 0 2, and you wonder if the season's just going to spiral. Last year didn't go according to plan. What's going to happen this year? Well, what happened was Kyle Allen realized the resource he had in McCaffrey and they built the offense around that. The one team that's been, you know, exceedingly successful in being able to throw him off his game was San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And they turned the ball over, they pressured him, and I just feel like. For Green Bay, last week it did not go according to plan against Phillip Rivers. And the thing about Phillip Rivers and the thing about Drew Brees is those guys are going to hurt you regardless if you get pressure because of just how quickly they get the ball out. You can't allow a guy like Allen to get into that kind of rhythm in this game. That's why someone asked us in Insider Inbox this week, the Packers win the coin toss, what do you do? I defer. I want my defense on the field. I want them to get that first crack at Allen. I want them to get some energy if they can get an early stop. You know, maybe not allow McCaffrey to get that first first down. You do that, you you start to feel good about yourselves. Then it starts to go back down to the reality of the situation and that Kyle Allen, you know, kind of came in through humble beginnings here in the NFL. He's still only 23. You need him to play like a 23-year-old quarterback, and the best yeah. way to do that is Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, those type of guys with the, in the back of their minds constantly thinking about Christian McCaffrey but also making sure that they can't hurt you with that pass game either. Well, what are your thoughts here, Wes, with regard to the weather for this game on Sunday? Because the forecast at this point is high on Sunday is low to mid-30s. Yeah. The low on Sunday night will be 20 degrees. And with a 325 kickoff and with the clocks changing a week ago, we're looking at you get towards the end of the second quarter, it's dark outside. This will be this will essentially be a night game for the last two and a half quarters yeah. of the game. So it, the temperature is going to be in the 20s. I haven't looked through all of Kyle Allen's background, but I would imagine he hasn't played, I mean, having played in college at Houston, and now in Carolina as a, as a rookie. He's from I don't, Scottsdale. He's from Scottsdale, Arizona. That was the part I didn't know is exactly yeah. where he's from. I don't think cold weather football is something that he has played before. And I'm really interested to see how this plays out with him. Obviously, they are going to run their offense through McCaffrey here. But you know how it is, Wes. The, when, when it gets cold, that ball is harder for quarterbacks right. to hang on to. It's more difficult to to be completely pinpoint accurate on your passes. If this truly is Kyle Allen's first cold weather game, it's something the Packers need to take advantage of, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the, the way I look at this is, I mean, Kyle Allen's played well enough that I expect him to be mature enough to be able to handle that. But I think I always think of it this way, like you're you're you've been writing stories now for what 20 years, 25 years <laughs> yep. in your professional career now. That's a little bit longer than Kyle Allen's been playing quarterback, but you know, if if I throw a wind tunnel in front of you, it's not going to be fun, but you should still be able to write a story. If I put a giant base next to you, it's going to be annoying, but you should still be able to write your story. That's what this is like a lot, the way I look at it for quarterbacks. Yeah, it's cold, but you've been playing football your entire life. Deal with it. Now, the one area where I think the Packers have a decided advantage there is what Aaron Jones was talking about this week. The fact that they have been out on the practice field at Nitschke Field, you know, doing their team periods in the cold, getting used to that again. Traymond Smith catching kickoffs and punts out in the cold. Yeah. 
Aaron Jones, who's from El Paso, who when I was talking to him this week, he said, I mean, until he basically got to the NFL, he never played any cold weather games. He said you never get used to it, but you learn how to adapt to it. You learn how to play in it. And for that reason, that's why this is so beneficial for Green Bay this week. This time of the year, everybody in December expects, okay, you're going to play cold weather football it's just the way it is. There's enough teams in the north and the east that it's something you're going to have to deal with. But to have a game like this in November, Mike, I remember a few years ago against the Indianapolis Colts, it was like 70 degrees at Lambeau yeah, Field in no, for a in November, November game. Yeah, basically this week of the season, yeah. or roughly right around so here. So nobody's yeah. anticipating, much like Mahad, nobody's anticipating <laughs> that this is going to be a game that's going to be 26, 27 degrees. But when they did flex it back a little bit, and it does get dark out this close to the daylight savings time, these are all the factors that come into play, and I, for one, am going to be very interested to see how Kyle Allen adapts to yeah. this. Did you hear the quotes? If I heard them correctly, there were some comments from Ron Rivera coming out of Carolina that he didn't actually believe the Packers were practicing outside. Oh, I didn't he see told, that. Yeah, he told the media down there, Let, let's be clear, they're practicing indoors. And yes, all of the photos from the media and everything are indoors because the Packers did have done their initial the initial parts of the sure. workouts have been in the Hudson Center, but then for all of the 11-on-11 11 11 on Wednesday and Thursday, they go outside onto the, the heated portion of Nitschke yeah. Field where the snow is gone and it's cleared off, and, and uh, they're dealing with the elements in the actual scrimmage 11-on-11 11 11 portions of practice. It didn't sound like Rivera even believed that the Packers were actually doing that. They weren't that. stretching outside or anything like that, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, it's two just, things. It's just interesting to me when I, heard, when I heard those comments, if I heard them correctly, okay. I will. I will qualify. Yeah, and, and I haven't seen them, but let's say that is true because you're an upstanding citizen. I assume that they are. Uh, one, if you saw Matt LaFleur when he went to the podium after practice on Thursday, they weren't <laughs> practicing outside. He was just sitting in a freezer for two hours. Uh, and two, uh, Evan Siegel, our very trusted uh, colleague and, and photographer, he has photos of them outside at practice. So be that as it may, yeah. I, I just think when you look at – there's a lot of first-year players that are getting used to this, but there's a lot of veteran players, too, on this team that have dealt with this. Sedarius Smith dealt with it in some regard in Baltimore. You have a guy like Adrian Amos, despite the hamstring injury right now, he played in it for four years at, at Chicago. He dealt with it at Penn State. So, like, there are guys that I think are ready for this and understand what this is going to be. I'm mostly curious to see all the side stuff, you know, how, you know, in the special teams, how does that affect things? You know, Mason Crosby, does that give him an advantage? And seeing how these teams react to this once you get into that second half and it really starts to get cold, I never try to make too much out of weather storylines, but just given the unique timing of this matchup, it is very interesting that, yeah. that you know this is something that's coming into play this early. Well, and neither one of these teams has done much in the return game, kickoff returns or punt returns, really. And you wonder, especially on kickoffs, the, it's going to be a lot harder to sail that ball all the way through the end zone. I think there will be opportunities for both teams to try to get something done in the kickoff return game. So you wonder if one of these uh, special teams units provides a, a spark in that way, because uh, neither one of these return games for the Panthers or the Packers have been very impactful this year at all. No, they haven't been. And, and I think you know, obviously Carolina's done the right thing over the course of years. You don't want to be using Christian McCaffrey in that way, but uh, they, they've been trying to find someone there. I think DJ Moore's been handling it yeah. uh, at times this season, but he's also kind of been a breakthrough player for them on offense. So those things are really going to be interesting to watch. You know, I, I brought up the Crosby example because, you know, Joey Sly really hasn't been lighting the world on fire right now for the Panthers. Had another missed kick last week, 15 of 21 on the season, uh, 20 of 22 on extra points. So He's from Virginia. I, I don't know what his experience is in playing the cold, but like those are the things that are interesting to me because while they're very small, 
how many times, Mike, over the course of years, and it's affected the Packers in a negative way too, have you seen a game in November and December be decided by a missed, you know, extra point, a missed sure. field goal, a botched, you know, punt, uh, a return that ends up being, you know, uh, either muffed or whatnot. So I, those are the areas, and Sean Meninga talked a lot about this week and some of the emphasis that they're putting on it, uh, trying to get more production, whether it is the return game, whether it is their blockers, whether it is punts. I mean, Packers special teams want to play better. And this is one area with this type of work that they got this week that they could potentially do that. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick look around before we go at what else is going on in Week 10 in the NFL. In the NFC North, some significant matchups here. The Lions and the Bears are facing each other for the first time. This one is in Chicago before they have the rematch later this month on Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. And this is really the Right now, for Lions and Bears, it's the battle to avoid the seller. One of these teams looking for their fourth victory to stay in third place. The loser will be in last place after 10 weeks of the season. And then the other one that uh, I'm sure all Packers fans will be watching once Green Bay and Carolina wrap up, Sunday night football, Minnesota down in Dallas. Vikings at Cowboys, a really interesting one, not only for the NFC North, but also with what's going on in the NFC East and the NFC playoff picture as a whole. Yeah, it's a fascinating week. Uh, just starting off with the, the Bears and Lions really quickly, really no outcome is negative for Green Bay. They could One team could win, they could tie. Everything is you know kind of beneficial in that regard. The Cowboys matchup's fascinating from the standpoint of, you know, Dallas looked good early on, fell into a lull, and then here they are right back in the thick of things again. Yep. In Minnesota, in some ways, probably a little bit more on the positive end of the spectrum, but has sort of mirrored uh, what Dallas has done. So seeing you know, what they could potentially do in that environment and if they can pick themselves up after the Kansas City loss. The game that I'm probably more than any, though, just from a standpoint of uh, you know intrigue for me, is L.A. going to Pittsburgh. Okay. <clears throat> because for a couple different standpoints here, one – the Rams are in a division right now where they have to keep up in that wild card race with the way that San Francisco is just running away with the West right now and outpacing Seattle for the, the front of that division right now. They need to get this win, the Rams do, against the Steelers. But the thing that's interesting about the Steelers, Mike, I don't even know if you realize this, for as much as we made out of you know the issues with, well, you start off going back to Antonio Brown and then they lose Ben Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph has a terrible you know, you know, hit, they're second in the league right now in turnover margin, only to New England. And yeah. that's the reason they're 4-4 four and four right now. So I, you got to give Mike Tomlin a lot of credit. And if you're the Green Bay Packers, you are cheering all the way for the Steelers in this matchup. Absolutely. Because to, for the Rams to be potentially sitting at 5-4 and four after the year that they had, uh, the, we talk all the time about being 7-2 and two and, or 8-1 and one and these type of records, what they do for you over the course of a season, how that separates you in the second half of a year. That's why, because there's going to be teams like this that are much like the Packers have been in this position the last few years where they are scratching and clawing and trying to get their way back into the wild card race. And if you can just stay, you know, maintain that distance, that goes a long way. So, yeah, certainly the Steelers, if they could potentially hold serve against the Rams, that is huge implications for the NFC. Yeah, well, the timing of things with regards to the NFC North teams is flipped around a little bit compared to last week because last week by the time – the Packers kicked off in Los Angeles. They knew that the Bears had lost right. and the Vikings had lost, and there was this big opportunity on the table. Well, now it's the Vikings that have the final game, and they will know the outcome of the Bears-Lions game. They will know whether the Packers won or lost. The Vikings will know whether they are playing to potentially tie the Packers for first place 
or if they will need to win just in order to stay one yeah. game behind and not potentially fall two games behind if the Packers come out victorious. So, And with the Packers heading into their bye week, obviously, as as we've been talking about, boy, the last thing you want to do with after a 7-1 and one start to be 7-1 and one at the midway point, the last thing you want to do is go into the bye week on a two-game losing streak. You want to get the good vibes, the good feeling back. You want to be able to enjoy the bye weekend. You rest up, and then you get ready for a stretch run. Yeah, you want to be able to have those positive thoughts in the back of your head. That was one thing, you know, over the years, ups and downs aside, for the most part, the Packers always were able to make those right adjustments. And sometimes it came off a win, sometimes it came off of a loss. But the years in which they won, I just remember the the feeling of that locker room and sort of the joy of of where they potentially are and where they could potentially be. And that's why this game has so much importance. I, I just look at it in terms of, you know, the the Panthers are for real. I mean, they've gone through some, you know, real adversity here early in the season. But, Mike, you look at how this NFC is shaping up at 5-3. and three, They are still right in this hunt. Absolutely. Um, and honestly, not that far off of the Saints still at 7-1. and one. And, you know, certainly they have an easier opponent this week against Atlanta. But yeah, struggling all, Falcons. All these things, you factor them together. I mean, I... I you know, you want to talk quickly about the Raiders and Chargers game. I mean, the Raiders came right back. Chargers, after looking so good against Green Bay on Sunday, they didn't look like they knew what they were doing offensively in that first half. That's just the way this game is played. That's how things go. Packers need to have short memories. They need to win this game against the Panthers and sit 8-2 and two into the bye week. See you in San Francisco. Yeah, and the big one coming up on Monday night, which we'll talk about on our Monday show after, as we also recap Packers-Panthers, but that Seahawks-49ers game on Monday night, that's a, that's a big one in the in the picture here, and and we'll see what the landscape looks like after all the results on Sunday. For all the popcorn, man. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, that, as I said before, I mean, that might be the best Monday night football game that we've seen in 10, 15 years, yeah. so... Uh, that it's it's huge, huge, Heck, huge yeah. football game. Heck of a matchup for sure. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and with everything going on Sunday afternoon's game from Lambeau Field. It'll all be on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.